Good, well, good morning, Essex. Equippers Essex, it's such a joy to be able to speak to you guys this morning. Uh, not so long ago, I think it was about two weeks ago, Pastor Barry asked me to share a message with you guys. And uh, yeah, we love you guys in Essex. And so I, as soon as he asked me, I thought my, you know, my heart leapt. And I thought, great, I haven't you know, had an opportunity to see you guys for a long time. Uh, I haven't preached uh, in Essex for a while. So I thought, yeah, boy, this is a great opportunity to, to connect with you. Uh, and just to serve you in this little way this morning. And also just another great way of connecting with you and also helping our amazing friends, Pastors Barry and Sarah Roberts. We really love those guys. They are great friends of ours. So uh, yeah, we're cheering you on in Essex, guys. We're right behind you. It's great to do life and and, uh, journey with you. Uh, And so I really hope that you are doing very well and that you've... um, You've managed lockdown okay, and that you are still kind of uh, feeling on top of things. I hope you do, and, and uh, I really pray that this message this morning will be a great, a great help for you. Last week, my wife Karen and I went, uh, went for a few days break uh, down to Portsmouth. We've recently discovered Portsmouth. Now, man, what a place that is. How we've missed this, I don't know. We've been living in Surrey for three years, and we've completely missed Portsmouth. It's just an hour down the A3. Great place. And last week, we went there for a few days. We went over to the Isle of Wight for a day. Um, so you're kind of wondering, why, why is he telling me this? Well, for two reasons, really. Number one, to tell you how much of a great holiday we had, which was, uh, you know, we were looking forward to. But another reason was that it was last week when I was in Portsmouth uh, on our little holiday. I just really felt God started to shape just in my heart and in my mind, the message that I should share with you guys this morning. Now, any preacher will tell you that uh, when you're preaching, you know, it's, the important thing is, is to get a message from God. Any of us can kind of pull something out of the bag of what we've done before, but of course we don't want to do that. We want to get a fresh, me- fresh message from God for, for the season, for the moment. And uh, last week, I start, it started, some, something started to form in me, started to shape in me. And uh, I, I want to share some of those thoughts with you this morning. Now, if I was to give you guys a title for my message this morning, it would just simply be this, Joy and Jesus. Joy and Jesus. Uh, and I'm going to kind of pull thoughts out from those two ideas this morning. Uh, you'll find as we go through this message that there'll be a few ideas that I have in mind that will kind of weave together Uh, I want to talk this morning about the importance of joy, what joy is, and and, and really what gladness is all about. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit bit about how Jesus was full of joy. And then lastly, uh, you'll kind of see how I weave into the message this morning, uh, the importance of us focusing on Jesus so that we get filled with joy. So it's joy and Jesus. And if there's anyone that we can turn to, to see who is, you know, the, the person in the world who's had the most joy, I think it's Jesus. Jesus was a man of joy, a man of gladness. And I, I, re- I reckon he must have been an amazing person to hang around with. Uh, and so I'm going to read to you two scriptures to start. Uh, they're both from the book of Hebrews, and then we'll take it from there. So my first uh, text this morning is in Hebrews 1 verse 9. And it says there, talking about Jesus, it says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, 
has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Or in another translation, it says the oil of gladness. So there was an anointing on Jesus' life where he, like if you met him, if you spent time with him, you would have recognized that this guy carried gladness. He carried joy in his life. My next text, and that will kind of be our platform to take the message from there, is in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. And it says simply this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And just catch this once again, joy and Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So just two great passages of scripture there in the book of Hebrews that talk about how Jesus was anointed with gladness, he was anointed with joy, and uh, he was a man full of joy. You know, if you go back to this word gladness, actually, it's, it's an amazing word when you think about it, even like when you say it, gladness. It kind of just makes you a little bit merry inside, doesn't it? And uh, we've probably all met someone in our lives where we've kind of spent time with them we thought, and we thought, wow, that, that, that was a, a joyful experience. That's a person that carries gladness. Um, I'm thinking of like even family members, my, my, my grandpa, my, my, uh, my father's, uh, my, sorry, my mother's father, uh, when he was alive, he was a guy that could walk into a room and just like fill the room, you know, he was a bit boisterous, he was a bit loud, but he was so glad, he was always glad, he always had something good to say, you know, um, and, and, and we've probably all met people like that. In fact, I would say that your pastors, Barry and Sarah, are people of gladness. Man, every time we spend time with these guys, we just feel so energized. They're just so great fun to be with. Uh, and I'm sure every single one of you that know Barry and Sarah well, you would, you're nodding right now, no doubt. You're saying, yeah, that's Barry and Sarah through and through. So gladness is, uh, is, is contagious. I just think it's an amazing attribute to have. Um, some definitions. Let me give a couple of definitions of, um, of this word gladness that you'll find in the dictionary. It's a feeling or a state of well-being and contentment. Or in other words, it's related to gladness, being cheerful, cheery, festive, happy, joyful. Uh, it seems to be marked by celebration. There's a sense of gladsome about it, um, delighted, happy, pleased, and I, this is an interesting word, even the word tickled, the word tickled, the word, the, you even find that in the dictionary, you know, it's pretty, pretty incredible, and once again, when you just think about Jesus, Jesus was great fun to hang around with, I know he was also a man of sorrows, and I'm going to say something about that in a moment, but he was a, he was a man who, who was full of joy, and what I want to do just for a moment is, is really ask us the question, why was Jesus so joyful? Why was he so joyful? Now, I read you, obviously, two passages of Scripture this morning, and you can actually see, see the reasons in those, in those verses. 
And I've just got three in mind that I want to draw our attention to firstly. And that's the first one is that the reason why Jesus was so full of joy is because he loved righteousness. He loved righteousness. And I think that what that means is, is that as, as Jesus grew up um, and, and his relationship with his father developed, his father in heaven, you know, his, his, his God his father, as his relationship developed over the years, he started to fall in love more and more with his heavenly father. And I really do believe that, that Jesus spent time in the presence of the Lord. You know, there's an amazing verse in Psalm 16 where David says, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. So I, I, I believe that Jesus um, entered into a, an amazing relationship with God. He spent time with him. And as he spent time with, with God and started to get to know God as a person and who God was, in, you know, in, his, in his character and his, like, in, in his nature, the sort of God that he is, I believe that in that place, Jesus started to feel like he was being filled with joy. You know, and I love this thought, really, because, you know, we've all just experienced lockdown, and, uh, you know, only God knows where, where we even go from here, actually. But I want to encourage each and every single one of us this morning just to remind us that whatever it looks like around us, whatever is going on out there, there is a place, there is a place in each, that each and every single one of us can step into and get into where we can experience the joy of the Lord, and that's in his presence. It's about just going into your room by yourself, you know, closing the door, uh, and it's not always easy in the beginning because you're like, your mind starts to drift, but if you can focus, if you can spend time in that place, focusing on God, focusing on Jesus, all of a sudden what will happen is that you'll start to feel his presence come, and there'll be a trickle of joy coming into your life, a trickle of peace. And so I believe that one of the reasons why Jesus was filled with joy is because he loved righteousness. But I also think it's about this. I think Jesus loved what God was doing. He understood that, that God had a story going on. You know, it's like God, is, God was right in history. And that even within the mess of everything that goes on around us, God was actually doing stuff, uh, and, and Jesus saw that. He saw that, that, that God was, 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 was moving. God was doing stuff. And I believe that even in this lockdown time, man, I constantly hear stories of, of really miracles, really, of how God has broken into people's lives, and he's like, he's turned things around, he's provided, he's even healed people. Um, there's, there's been amazing stories, and I, and I believe Jesus saw that sort of stuff. He looked at it, and he said, wow, man, I applaud that. God is doing things even in the midst of everything that's going on around us. I just love the thought. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but, uh, but before lockdown, about 3 or 4% of the British public were kind of attending church. Over lockdown time, uh, that number has jumped to like somewhere about 25% of, of adults. There, it, the percentage is even more with young adults. So in other words, a lot of people are looking for something, they're clicking online and watching church services. Now, I, for me, man, I celebrate that. That is just amazing. And it's having an eye for that. It's looking at that and saying, God is on the move. God is doing stuff amongst you guys. The future is bright, right? The future is, you know, God's got a plan. And so Jesus noticed what God was doing. He spent time with him. 
and it filled him with joy. The other reason why I think Jesus was filled with joy is because, as it says in Hebrews 1 verse 9 there, he hated wickedness. Now, that's kind of an interesting thought when you think about it. What, what are we talking about here? Well, I think what, what, we're, what we're reading about there is that, once again, as Jesus grew up, and he started going through adolescence and through his, you know, his, 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 his years as, a, as an adult, he looked around, and I believe that it broke Jesus' heart to see what sin and evil was doing to humanity. Now, you might think, well, how does that, like, fill you with joy? That looks more like dread to me. Well, there's a, there's a bit of an oxymoron going on here, I think, and, and the Bible does talk about this, because in Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us that Jesus was a man of sorrows. But at the same time, as we read in Hebrews 1 verse 9, it says that he was anointed with the oil of gladness. And I think what's going on here is that, is that Jesus was, like, heartbroken, often, no doubt, when he saw what sin and evil was doing to people, and that broke his heart, that affected him, that touched him deeply in his emotions. In fact, there's a verse in the Gospels that appears a few times where it says that when Jesus saw the crowds and that they were like sheep without a shepherd, he was moved with compassion. Now that word moved there actually in the Greek means they like it kind of caught him in the gut. And I don't know if you ever had an experience like that where like something happens and then you see something and you know, you know, you find out about something and it just catches you. And it moves you. It's like it, I mean, it like overtakes you in a sense. And I just love how Jesus was in touch with his emotions. Uh, and when Jesus saw the crowds like a sheep without a shepherd, it moved him. It caught him in the gut. And I think that's what's going on here in a sense. It's like he sees the crowds as, as a sheep without a shepherd and it moves him. He's kind of heartbroken for what's going on around him. But at the same time, he has a clear view of who God is. He has a clear view uh, of, of what God is doing. And that God is continuously breaking in to the experience of people into their suffering and turning it all around. And he knows it because he has spent time with God and he knows who God is. Man, I love that. And it's, I, remember, I remember a few years ago, God saying to me one morning, he said, Neil, make sure you don't get me confused with someone else. In other words, don't think that I'm like the enemy, you know, like our spiritual enemy that the Bible calls the devil. Don't think I'm like that, because God is completely different to that. Uh, God is about rescuing. He's about loving. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life, and life in abundance. And sometimes we've got to keep our eyes fixed on that. And Jesus knew that in the midst of sorrow, God was doing stuff. And so you find a little bit of a, it's a kind of a strange contrast in a sense. Yeah, it kind of really reminds me actually of what it was like when I first became a Christian myself. Uh, so I, many of you know my story. I mean, I got into a lot of trouble before I became a Christian. I uh, ended up in prison 16 years ago. And whilst I was in prison, I had this like incredible encounter with God. And uh, literally for months, for months afterwards, I went through this whole like phase where I'd, you know, I'd be laughing and crying and laughing and crying when I'd think about God and what God had done in my life. And it was a kind of a strange experience in a sense because I was crying because of the fact that, you know, I'd kind of look back over my life and saw that like the wasted years and what I had done to myself and I would 
probably hurt other people through the process and all that sort of stuff. So, and how I'd offended God and broken God's heart because I'd squandered my life. You know, there was all that attached to it. So I was kind of sorrowful, but at the same time, I was filled with joy because you know, I knew what God had done in my life and God had rescued me and I was like, I had an amazing future ahead of me. So it's really interesting how these two things work. And I think you see it in Jesus. Jesus looked around, he saw, uh, he saw the brokenness, but at the same time he could see God, God moving. It reminds me of another story as well, actually. When I was a pastor back in, uh, back in South Wales, um, every Sunday morning that I used to turn up for church, Basically, what would happen was that there was a guy who used to, he used to come to the church, but many, many years before I ever arrived there as the pastor. In fact, this particular guy used to be one of the elders in the church. And every Sunday morning, he would drop off his wife. He'd drop his wife off to the church, but he would drive away. And so he didn't attend the church anymore. But every Sunday, his wife would, and he would drop her off and pick it up. And I kind of found out that really what had happened was that uh, he'd got offended for some reason in the church and left the church, but just took his wife to church, dropped her off. And then every, so every morning I would, every Sunday morning I would see this guy and kind of just say hi to him and, and all the rest of it. And, and then one Sunday morning, as I was walking down the road to go, to go to the church building, I saw this guy parked outside, his wife getting out of the car. And in that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit saying to me, Neil, it's time for this guy to come home. Now, I don't know about you, but when I kind of think of that, it made me think of two things, or one of two things. Does that mean that it's time for him to come home in the sense of that it's time for him to come back to the Lord? Or does it mean like this, this guy is, you know, he's going to die soon and it's time for him to come home to God, so to speak. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but it turned out to be both. Basically, what happened was that not long after, uh, this guy was diagnosed with cancer he was given like, like, a, like a couple of months to live. And in that couple of months that he had left to live, somehow he reconnected with God and God started to break into his life. And this guy now had not been to church for, I'm talking like about 20 years, right? 20 years he'd been away from church. But then one day when he was in hospital, he was coming to the end of his life, he asked to see me. And I went to see this guy in a hospital, and I'm telling you guys, it was incredible to see. This guy was sitting in his bed, sitting up, and he was literally doing what I just told you about myself. He was laughing and crying, laughing and crying. I knew why he was crying. He would say to me over and over again, Neil, the wasted years, the wasted years. So he was crying his eyes out. I mean, the room was full of other people. He just didn't care. It was just tears streaming down his face. The wasted years, Neil, the wasted years. And then he would start to laugh. He just got filled with joy because he knew that he'd reconnected with God. And I just kind of love that, how that works. It's pretty amazing to see. And lastly, I think one of the reasons, the other reason why Jesus was so filled with joy is because of the joy set before him. Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, knowing that he would sit down at the right hand of God. And I think what this means is that Jesus, he had an eternal perspective. He knew that sin and evil and brokenness was not the last word. It was not the last word. He knew that, 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 that it would be, there would be an end to all this. And that he knew that he would be going back to his father. Those of us who are believers, we're looking forward to that day where we'll be, you know, in the presence of the Lord in a complete kind of way. 
and, and, and we know the end of the story. We know that this, the way that we see things at the moment going on in the world, this is not the end of the story. If you read the end of the Bible, you can see what the, what the end of the story is. You know, God's got an amazing plan, and he's going to turn things around and he bring about a new creation that those who want to be a part of it can be a part of it. And I just find that amazing. Billy Graham, the famous preacher, once said this, I have read the end of the Bible, and I can tell you it ends well. Man, I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope. That gives me great, great joy, knowing that I'm looking forward to that. So here's a question for us that I just want to finish off this message with, and it's simply this. Where do we get our joy from? Now, we've kind of seen where Jesus got his joy from, right? He got his joy from spending time with his father. He loved righteousness. He hated wickedness. He had an eternal perspective. He looked forward to the fact that, you know, he knew that this was not the end. He knew that God was going to break in and is breaking in now, but he was going to break in in a powerful way in the future and fix everything. So he knew all that. And because he knew all that, and, you know, he knew that he, would, he was going to get us the other side of the cross. He knew that there was a, a, a story of redemption going on. That's my point, that there was a story of redemption going on. He knew what God was doing in the midst of it all, and that gave him great joy. The question is, where do we get our joy from? We could say the same thing in a sense. We could say that if we look at these sort of things, it will definitely give us motivation. It will give us joy in our life. It will give us gladness. But I want to suggest that... You know, all that really is wrapped up in one person, and that's Jesus. And my point is being is this. If we want joy in our lives, the best place for us to go to is to Jesus himself. Let me say it like this. If you want joy, don't focus on joy. Focus on Jesus. Because otherwise, then you're trying to get joy by yourself. If you look at joy just as in you know, something in of itself, then you're trying to create joy. And that's not always easy to do, right? But if you, if you focus on Jesus, what will happen is that Jesus will start to give you his joy. And Jesus you know, is, is full of joy, right? You spend time with him and you'll start to experience his joy. His joy will start to rub off on you. It's kind of the same thing with peace. If you want peace, don't focus on peace focus on Jesus, who's the Prince of Peace. And then Jesus starts to share with you those amazing things that belong to him. And I just want to just finish off with, with these uh, simple thoughts on what I would say is the power of focus. The power of focus, focusing on Jesus right now. We all know what it's like out there at the moment. There's I mean, I sometimes think like the world is in a crazy, crazy place right now. I said, to my, I said to my wife, Karen, last night when we were watching the news, I turned to her and I said, man, it seems like the world is going mad, you know? It's like, where's the truth? There doesn't seem to be any truth out there. The world seems to have gotten lost. It's gotten, himself, gotten itself into a right mess. But when we focus on Jesus instead of that, stuff starts to happen within us. We can capture our joy again. And I want to just give you simply three T's, uh, three words that all begin with the word T, just to, just to remind us of what happens when we start to focus on Jesus. Number one is that we will become thankful. When you focus on Jesus, you will start to become thankful. And any psychologist will tell you that being thankful is good for the soul. It's really good for the soul. 
So I want to encourage you, don't look at, don't focus on all the things that are going on in the world and take your eyes off Jesus. Otherwise, you'll start to do what Peter did and you'll start to sink. Peter was walking on water and as long, and as, long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was okay. As soon as, as, soon as he, started to look at the, he started to look at the waves and the, the sea around him, the boisterous sea around him, he started to sink. But if you start to focus on Jesus, you'll, be, you'll become thankful. You'll start to become thankful because he's thankful. He, he sees things differently. And, he, and he'll start to share that with you and me. The second one, the second T, is simply this, transformation. When you start to focus on Jesus, you'll start to feel like you're going through a process of being transformed. Now, this is an interesting thought, actually. You know, the Bible says it like this. In the Psalms, it says that we become like the gods we worship. In other words, that just simply means what you focus on starts to get into you. It starts to get into you. And uh, not so long ago, me and my wife were driving down to Portsmouth, actually, because uh, we've been going there quite a lot recently. And Karen turned around and said to me, oh, can, you, can you hear the bottle of water rolling around in the boot of the car? And uh, to be honest with you, I hadn't noticed until she said it. And as soon as she said it, I started to hear the thing, you know. And uh, then I couldn't, then I couldn't get it out of my mind. It was like constantly in my head. And I said, oh, thanks, Karen, for pointing that out to me. I was okay till you said. But it just kind of shows the power of focus. What you focus on, focus on starts to get into your thinking. We become like the gods we worship. And once again, if you start to focus on Jesus, you start to become more and more like Jesus. So maybe you just need to be reminded this morning to bring Jesus back into line, bring him back into focus. Once again, guys, there is a lot of stuff going on, going on out there in the world, but I want to remind you that Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change, and he's got a plan. He's doing stuff right now, and that's what we focus on. And then the lastly, the last T is simply this, triumphant. So you'll be thankful, you'll go through a process of transformation, but you'll also be triumphant. And you'll be triumphant because you'll see things differently. Instead of feeling like things are on top of you, you'll feel like you're on top of them. I, I, you know, I've heard an amazing story, many, many times people have used, used this story as preachers, where they talk about how two Christians walking down the road and they bump into each other one day and one Christian says to the other one, uh, how are you doing? And the other one responds, yeah, not too bad under the circumstances. And the other Christian responds and says, what are you doing under there? Like, what are you doing under the circumstances? Here's the thing, guys, we know that there are circumstances. Maybe you're going through a circumstance right now. We all go through them. I've had many. But... We can feel like we're above the circumstance and not the circumstance on top of us. And I would say that that comes through focusing on Jesus, putting him right at the center, and we'll start to feel like we're being triumphant. You want to be triumphant this morning? I do. I want to be triumphant. I want to be thankful. I want to be transformed. I want to look at the things that Jesus looks at. I want to know the things that he knows. And so that is simply my message for us this morning. It's joy and Jesus. What made Jesus joyful? We've looked at those. And what, does make, what makes us joyful? Focusing on the Prince of Peace. Focusing on his joy. Jesus says in John 15, my joy I give to you. My peace I leave with you.
And I pray that that message this morning will be a blessing for you. Keep Jesus at the center in all this. Look what he's doing and, um, and you will know the joy of the Lord. Well, I just want to close with two prayers for you guys. The first one is I want to pray for people in general who may be struggling right now and maybe you don't have a lot of joy going on in your life right now. And I really want to pray for you. And then I'll go into my second prayer. So let me pray for you guys with that first. You maybe you want to f- maybe feel like you want to raise your hands or put your hand on your heart or something like that just to show that you're receiving something from God. And I'll pray for you. Father, thank you so much the joy, for the joy that is found in you. Thank you that there is such a thing as this amazing joy, this gladness that we've looked at, this merriness, this this sense of of feeling like we can walk through life and feel happy and and merry and and gladsome. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with joy again today. Give us the joy of heaven. Keep our eyes focused on you and focused on the things that are important to you. In Jesus' mighty name. If anybody right now watching this message doesn't feel that, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name, fill their lives, fill their homes with joy and focus in Jesus' name. Amen. And the second thing I'd really love to pray for is that maybe you're watching this morning and you've never actually discovered the Prince of Peace, this Jesus that I've been talking about. Maybe you're still searching. Maybe you put yourself in that category that you're still searching. Uh, but you've heard something this morning, you thought, I gotta have that in my life. Well, Jesus is inviting you into a relationship this morning. And before I hand it over to, to Pastor Barry and Sarah uh, and the team, uh, I just wanna pray for you as well. So once again, if you feel comfortable to put your hand on your heart, maybe open up your hands, say like you're receiving a gift. I'd love to pray for you as you receive the gift of eternal life and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that will bring so much good into your life. So Father, thank you for all those who are responding right now. And I pray in Jesus' name that salvation would come to their lives, that the gift of eternal life would come into their lives and that they would come to know you in a deep and personal way, that you would become a friend to them, a great friend to them, and that they would know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, Equipers Essex has been so, so amazing spending time with you this morning. I do hope and pray that you will be blessed this week. Remember, keep focusing on Jesus, the the king of all joy, and he will give that joy into your life. Let's keep Jesus at the center. God bless you. Amen.